Florin and Christoph Schmidt, aka Lobros, the spray paint wielding brothers behind some of the most famous murals around the world. Welcome to the Creative Blood Experience. Thanks, Laura. Pleasure, pleasure, pleasure. Here's the thing you are actual brothers, which I adore. I would ask why you're here in London, but I do actually know we've been working together. Tell us about that project. Yeah, so we just finished a big project here in London. We painted a big tennis court, like actually a double court. I mean, the, the great thing about the project was that it's not like this kind of elite private tennis club we painted for, but it's in an area where uh, you would maybe usually suggest like having basketball courts there. And that's exactly what we would criticize about tennis, that it's kind of like not that easily accessible and open to everyone. So uh, that was a pretty nice project. If you're talking about the world's best tennis players, in our mind, it always gets like, yeah, the world's best players who have access to the sports because you don't know yes. who are the world's best or could have been the world's best. In this case, we met the community, we met the people from the tennis club and the whole court was in pretty rough condition and they uh, were kind of ashamed of it. And so we were thinking, give them something that empowers them and make them really proud of to invite other people there to play. So we wanted to have it like really sporty and energetic and contrast it with the neon yellow of the tennis balls. We have like the whole range from red to blue with all the, the purples in between and the green of the floral elements. Yesterday was the big opening with Roger Federer on, on site and we actually finished a day before, uh, just in time, working 12-hour shifts a day for almost 14 days now. So we're glad to be here. We're quite exhausted, but also super happy and relieved. That says everything about who you are. It's incredible. It's awesome. In my hand here, I have 50 cards. Each card contains one question designed to reveal how you have navigated your creative experience so far and share something useful that our listeners can take into their own creative lives. Do you have any questions for me? No, but it seems you have a couple of us. I have a few for you. I'm going to have 10, specifically 10. You're going to select 10 cards from the deck. Neither of us will know what they are. But first, I need to shuffle the deck. And whilst I do, allow me to introduce you to our listeners. Lobros, born in Hamburg in the early 80s. Florin, you were born first. And then two and a half years later, Christoph, you came along. With a tight fraternal bond, you grew up surrounded by the city's vibrant street art, graffiti, hip-hop and skate cultures. You officially became the art duo Lobros in 2011 and garnered international attention following a pivotal feature in Juxtapose magazine in 2013. Ten years later, you've exhibited in solo and group shows around the world, partnered with brands from Apple to Nike and even the German post office. I need a visual on that. And your murals and site-specific installations have become global art destinations in LA, Tel Aviv, Vancouver and Hong Kong, to name a few. You've described yourselves as brothers with very different personalities and with art as your common base. Your aesthetic is unmistakable, whether creating paintings, screen prints, super scale murals, light installations and even jewellery. It's a chaotic and dreamy airbrush world rendered with scalpel-like graphic precision with a palette of neon synthetic sunset tones. 
both iconic and iconoclastic, your anthropomorphic animals, dystopian reimaginings of global brands and abstract digital shapes and architecture are deeply indebted to digital culture. And yet your process is painstakingly analog using acrylic paint, aerosols, and more recently, paper and glue. Common themes in your work are society and identity in the digital age, the tension between nostalgia and progress, the relationship between nature and the urban environment, and indeed consumption culture. And so Florin and Christoph, it is my pleasure to have you here in person in our studio, surrounded as we are by some of the UK's finest street art here in Shoreditch. Are you ready to play? Yes, let's do it. Let's do it. Excellent. Because there are two of you, and ask Christoph you to hold the cards, and Florin for you to pick ten. All right, two, four, six. Yeah, hurry up, otherwise the podcast is over. <laughs> no, last one, this one. All right, if you pass me those, perfect. All right, I'm going to start. Question. Eins. Very good. What are some strategies that you use for staying inspired and nurturing your creativity? Yeah, the inspiration question, which is usually hard to answer, but when you ask about strategies, it will be, I think, either we really shut ourselves like in our studio and try to have as less noise as possible around us, but also just change the environment and go for a walk, maybe. Or we sometimes do it for bigger projects. We really go on the countryside, have no distraction and really think and talk about like the topic we want to tackle or the solutions we want to find. But also what we quite like is to go to uh, art museums or really good gallery shows. And that's also how we found out what makes good art for us. For us, it has to be inspirational, not a story that is like completely told until the end. And so you don't really have to think about it anymore, but things that kind of get you a little bit out of your comfort zone. How about you, Chris? Yeah, I would say that a source of inspiration is definitely the topics we talk about, like social and political issues. And these kind of questions then come up or like this, how you say, like when you when you have the feeling you can't do anything about the situations we are in. And then you need this place where you can put your feelings in. In Germany, you would say a ventil, right? To, yeah. to release some of the stress you build up in our works, in works. Even if it's not maybe like super obvious. Yeah, this is kind of a relief for us, definitely. Yeah. And I, I think it's so important for everyone to have like this creative expression where you can leave your emotions too. Yeah, if you don't have this way of leaving it yeah, out. venting. They, they don't have this place and so they're screaming it to everyone. Like in the internet nowadays, all these hate comments I mean, yeah. instead of, I don't know. But then they leave it in that place and someone has to read it. Yeah, exactly. And they have no idea it's so bad. Yeah. how it can change somebody's day or yeah, life. Let them, or if there's multiple. Let them play, let them paint. Yeah. yeah. Let them paint. Yeah, let them paint, exactly. Question Right. What conversation do you wish you could have had again and with whom? What would come to my mind would be uh, actually what we just talked about, like social media comments. We usually don't get much uh, backlash with, with our work, but during Black Lives Matter, we couldn't stop thinking about and reading about like what racism does, what our privileges are, and what we could do. We were in the middle of planning an exhibition. Uh, we had to change the whole subject to deal with racism in a way 
which was quite hard. I think it was with the check your privilege wall we've painted and then someone was like a little bit provoking about like, oh, what that's that's just not true. What a shitty concept. And we reacted kind of too emotionally. And the mistake we, we did is to make assumption about a person. And so we, yeah, kind of gave a bad answer to this. And we would have given a better answer, I guess. Out of 100 comments, you only saw the one negative. You yeah, only remember the one negative comment. Exactly. It's so powerful. It's frightening because that can change everything. And yeah, they're exactly. living their truth and they're giving you what they think is the response they want to give. But you were living yours in that moment, which is why you made the piece work. Yeah. Since 2020, um, we read so many books about like discrimination, racism and uh, all the intersection within. And uh, I think there are a lot of conversations we would have differently uh, if you're better prepared. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to stop the German. Question number three. Have you ever taken on a project that challenged your values or your beliefs? And if so, how did you handle it? De definitely. Yeah. You know, we come from graffiti and are quite political in a way. And it was a big subject of selling out. Like we won't like to work with certain companies. Yeah. Also, sometimes you don't know in the beginning, the, the project sounds nice and you think you have all the informations you need. And then it, you get certain informations, which makes you doubt the project, but you're in it. You know, I think usually we take a lot of time to really think it through. And then it's also like a lot of gut feeling. Actually, like we're kind of like, we don't really like the system we're in. Uh, we don't really like capitalism and what it does to a lot of people. But that's the system we're in. And like working commercially, we're never 100% like fully like, yeah, that's also perfect. Yeah, we can name a tons of projects probably that we said no to. Like even if we were struggling money-wise, we said like no and no one will ever see that. But if you say yes to certain projects, then people might criticize you for that and it's yeah it's weird makes sense i think like even before uh we got vegan we would have said no to uh, any meat producing company maybe yes to some dairy because we were not aware of how cruel that industry is yeah or like for example tobacco we would never do anything for a tobacco company but then on the other hand like liquor company okay it's it's just important i think to have these conversations and uh, we're totally. all not Perfect, but uh, let's talk about it. Yeah. Okay, right. So question number four, what is the biggest challenge that you have faced in your career? Oh, that was probably <laughs> probably the last two, the past two weeks. <laughs> yeah. Oh, crikey, the project that we're that talking was, about together. Yeah, but, oh, but, but honestly, it was like, there was so much knowledge required. Like it's a whole profession to paint these courts like to paint on tarmac we didn't know the surface until uh, a week before and we're standing on this huge space i mean like we we know this size like an, an vertical space and uh, even painted like a similar size on corrugated metal but we did that three or four times until we know how to tackle that specific surface and yeah there were really times during this project because like it built up on such a huge like media event Roger Federer is going to be there uh, like he only has like this specific day in his calendar where he had time and everyone was so excited about it and we're standing on this empty court like how should we ever get this done in time what did you feel like when you saw the court for the first time 
just, okay, yeah, doable. That, that's doable. <laughs> that's okay. I mean, we told on forehand, like, you guys, you know, that is crazy to do that. You know, we can try our best to deliver it, but we can't promise anything actually, because it's just wild to think to get this done within this short amount of time. Throwing a thunderstorm. We a had like a 30 minute end. thunderstorm. So exactly. much drama. And the moment when it started to rain, at that point, we really thought like, okay, that that was it. We called our agent and said like, bad yep. news over here. Like, it seems like we're not going to make but it. That's maybe a good chance to give it an insight in some of our projects that are maybe not that much pressure on like in, in this one, but they have their certain budgets. And so you have this time frame with a lot of murals we have, like, you know, like the flights are booked. The lift costs like from 300 to 800 euros a, a day. You don't know about the weather before or anything. And we, we often have the gut feeling that we know like at what point we need to do the extra hours and we finish somehow always on point, but we never thought about like, okay, what's like when it's not going to work out. And we usually do like, especially like in the exhibitions or some bigger projects where we plan in so many extra details, but then we learn for ourselves at some point, no one will ever notice what what's missing in the end. Of you course. Know? Yeah. And for, for us, it was often like a healthy, healthy process to like leave certain things away and later thought like, oh, they would have been the bit too much. So it's kind of a cleaning process when you're like under under time pressure in the end. But with this core, we had to fill like all the gaps. There's no chance of leaving anything away. I think it's funny because you talk about how do you know how to plan for something like this or how long will it actually take? But we know from doing the project, um, you finished the night before. Yes, classic. So am I allowed to say that's your German precision? coming in you know you know what's what's funny that we never think about ourselves as being like so german or is it like really true about germans like being precise being on time and then while uh was traveling we really found out like okay maybe you were early today you picked a dealer's choice lucky for me and i wanted to ask you this question it's around brotherhood on your facebook You've posted a gorgeous picture of you both as kids reading comic books together tucked up in bed. And in the caption, you mentioned that you were super close as kids, but that in your youth, after childhood, you went your own separate ways before coming back together. So I'd love to know more about that. And where did you go separately? And what was the moment that brought you back together to this common art base and the creation of Low Bros? I could maybe start with that. Like from the age difference of two and a half years, we're in the childhood really close by by age. But then in the youth, you know, there's really the the gap where you kind of... I had this moment really like hanging with my friends. And at some point I I got to experience like, okay, childhood is over now. Like we're serious. Like it was all like a bit like hip hop and gangster and whatever. And so it was more about like, okay, like uh, smoking weed, drinking, parties and so on. But what Chris was a little bit too young for that. And that's like, uh, like looking back on it, like uh, it's a bit heartbreaking for me, like to like, because I think like he felt like he was a little bit left out while I moved on with my friends. But then also I think like uh, in a good way, he um, had a chance to kind of develop on his own until we we got together again. For me, it was then that I like got in touch with a lot of people. I was really communicative. I had like several friendship circles. I was we were like open, easy, 
not the tough way. We were always making fun about ourselves. That helped really in the development of being more self-confident, I would say, like making jokes about yourself and your mistakes. And yeah, I found to skateboarding. I skated a lot. Flo started uh, graffiti a little bit earlier. Yeah, and I, but I then already tried to, you know, I had my face and then I was like, oh, now I could really have my brother back just for some like hanging out and so on. But he was always surrounded by his friends like every day. And I was so annoyed by that. Yeah, and one day he was asking me like, Chris, come on, there's this insane concrete factory. It's just like 45 minutes by train, like out of town. And you have to see this, you have to join. Like, why not? Because the first attempts on, on, on painting, I was I was joining, it was like more like uh, tagging and I was trying also. And it was not feeling like the right thing for me, even if we always sketched a lot and everything but at that day it was like i tried again like make like a style like letters and, and come with us like try experience it and so i said yes i did a style um, sketched one up unpacked some cans and then we drove out there and it was that was just like youth paradise out there the sun was shining we had a little barbecue we went in this abundant billion buildings on top and had a look at the at the place and then we painted and I was feel like so relieved and free. And it's like, oh, it's nice. And um, you feel also feeling like so cool until the friends came like, oh, it's your first one, right? And so it, it, it took me a while to keep up and go to the point where we were on a similar level. We joined the same crews and this crew split up and we were the only ones left over. They could say like that really graffiti brought us back together that we had one common thing to, to share. And uh, we later thought that's also quite interesting and cool aspect about graffiti that is super natural to collaborate with different kind of people and to adapt really quick and so this background helps us a lot to work together but also collaborate with other people also from different fields i also have to say that since flo was already a little bit further than the graffiti thing he painted together with really talented uh, graffiti painters so that pushed up the level for me what is normal to paint and so it was i I was quicker in my you development. It was easier. Level. And I think this is what kids experience nowadays. Yeah. Back then we had like, we were surrounded by the ones we know. And then that was the, the limit and that was the best. And nowadays you have the best of the best, which is like your new normal or like, not normal, but like, this is yeah, well, you've seen where Instagram you can get. Or YouTube this or is where you can get at. And so it's high, high pressure. Yeah. And I, I'm just wondering, like the name Low Bros, don't want to state the obvious, but the bros, I'm assuming, is you guys. Pretty obvious. And what's the low? Um, so we wanted to kind of show our roots that we don't come from like an academy. Like our roots are in this like lowbrow arts. So when you think about the concept of highbrow and lowbrow, we thought, thought like um, graffiti and skateboarding, that's kind of the, the, the lowbrow arts. And yeah, take that with us. Lowbrow, low bros. Love it. Great name. Right, next question. I'm going to ask you both separately. Chris, who is the person that challenges you the most? It's okay if I if I need to say this, probably myself, to be honest. But I like I'm 38 now and I heard that, that a lot of people, like when they become like 36, started to reflecting on themselves and what they are doing. And the perfectionism, like I just trying to figure out where that comes from and I'm trying to work on that to be not that hard on me. Because every time I would do something wrong, I would be so hard on me, like, oh, are you stupid? Like, how could that happen? And and somehow I also do it like sometimes with others, if like they don't deliver like I expected it to be, but I'm not that hard. And then to myself, I'm extra hard. And then I need to think like, hey, why? 
why is it necessary to be like that? And then I learned about it and figured out like, oh, well, that's more like survival strategy, like in your childhood. So somehow, somehow our parents seems to expect that from us, especially our father, I would guess. It's like to be like, to don't make that much, much mistakes. And so, yeah, so I learned to, to, to be friend with my inner child and just to say like, Hey, it's okay. It's next time you will do better. And then to figure out that, Hey, you couldn't know it's the first time you did that. So next time you do it, you will do it a different way. Amazing. Florin. Yeah. First I would have said, uh, Chris, <laughs> his <laughs> perfectionism and like, <laughs> he can be really acting like a, like a, like a boss. <laughs> uh, yeah, because because he's uh, definitely like the the motor, the the one who like uh, helps to get shit done. So yeah, he will definitely challenge me a lot. But after his answer, I also have to say like there's a, also a lot of like me and myself and in, in involved in this uh, challenge. Like when it comes to like self acceptance, self love, and to be to be right. I think it's a big thing to be able to not only acknowledge it, but also take the time to take a look. I think it happens at a certain point in our lives because you sort of don't take yourself off and go, who am I? Someone goes, you're this or you're that. And then you, it forces you to take a bit it's of a deeper look. It's crazy to adapt this and t telling this to yourself, right? Yeah, is, yeah. Is it, it also that you hard. kind of be to yourself like, don't do this. Exactly. This, this, that was stupid. Yeah, yeah. No, it's hard. Okay, question Zeben. How do you filter feedback and criticism? Like constructive criticism, we love it. If it's honest and it helps us to, to get further, but like a critique in a way which is just um, this is dumb or something. Yeah, and like yeah. that doesn't help in any way and it's just offending. Yeah, it and can be quite provoking. It can be provoking. Because you're still, like as artists, you're still uh, sensitive in a way because like when you show people something new, uh, some some. People would laugh about it because it's just not they know. But we had we we learned to really use constructive feedback or criticism. It might not be in the same second as we receive it, so we need to filter that first. And it's like, oh yeah, actually there's truth in it. And sometimes it's even so provoking because you know there's truth in it, and then it so bothers you a lot. That happens. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> in the end, it's really helpful. Yeah. And and it's also like uh, a sign. And that's also what we have to learn to like polarize a little bit to not please everyone because then like it's boring. And everyone's just got a different point of view anyway, so you can't. And the other other critic like can bother you sometimes even just because, you know, you can't have like a longer conversation to 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 talk about it. And, you know, it's, it will never happen. It won't make any sense. And so, yeah, it it's yeah, you take it a little bit with you and then you you leave it somewhere. You have to sort, yeah, because I guess you you know, you build up that, that, that resilience. Yeah, resilience is really important. It's so important. You may have just answered the next question. Great. What's the most important skill for success in your field? So say you'd it. say resilience. Well done. <laughs> okay. Do you really think that? Um, yeah, yeah. Okay, so when you say resilience, what does that mean to you? Creating art and being creative, you need a lot of the sensitivity, right? But sensitivity also could make you quite vulnerable when it comes to criticism. In the same way, this kind of resilience to uh, deal with all these obstacles and circumstances, uh, that's a really helpful skill to just keep on doing what you believe in and follow your vision. Yeah. 
what's the most ridiculous? I can't wait for this from you guys. I'm just thinking of the scale and the you know bananas elements to what you're creating in often. But what is the most ridiculous request that you've ever received from a client, and how did you respond? All right. Do we think about I feel the like same? You've got one. Yeah, yeah. Okay. we think about one. the same. So that's that was a couple of years ago, and we got asked whether we want to be part of a commercial shoot, and it was for a perfume brand, and it would be us um, driving in a Mustang through the desert. We talk your sixties Mustang or a two thousand twenty two Mustang. I would, I would, I would think of a sixties. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, good. yeah. And um, driving through the desert, ending up at a gas station, and while we fill up the tank. We would paint and and truck or something that stands there, and as soon as it's over, like we would jump in the car and then go back. And that's one so- hell of a tank you must have been filling up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? Like it sounded so ridiculous, and so we were just you know like how like how would that we, be received? And but we, in we the were end, tempted. We were really tempted to be like honest. thinking about it now. We thought like it would have been so funny to have this footage, like. <laughs> what would have been a funny anecdote? Yeah. Why did you say no? Or did you say uh, no? Or it didn't, it was, cut, it didn't come off in like the end? I think sort or? of like idealism in a way. And also like, yeah, it would really make the serious art we're doing like a little bit, seem a little bit ridiculous. It's really like through the advertiser's gaze. It's also like old uh, uh, directors, how they think uh, the youth acts or interacts. One thing is that we would not have been in control on the set. I'm super sure about that. This is some, yeah, this is something we learned about like during our time it's like always check with whose people you're working with and check their work and because check their work check their work million percent up, yeah because you might end up in like a silly situation where you can't do nothing about it and then it yeah and you might be maybe would do like certain things in that situation of pressure and there's a whole uh, team around you uh a time frame a budget and you don't want to like fuck everyone up but the idea of it, uh, like driving through the desert in the Mustang, uh, it's pretty quite, awesome. Quite awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so, last question: What do you think is the most important quality for a creative to have? To anyone in art, a creative mind, a maker, what do you think is the one thing, the one non-negotiable? I would say, like, never grow completely up. Playfulness yeah. is definitely is super important. It's always hard to to break it down to one, and I yeah. never like this. What's your fa- favorite dish? What's your favorite color? And so on. Yeah. Yesterday, when we were on the field with the media on the on the tennis court event with Federer, and Federer was giving advice. He was asked like, "What is your advice for 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 the kids to become a good tennis player?" And he was saying, "Kids, if you want to be a good tennis player, listen to your teachers, listen to your to your parents. They will show you how it works, and so on." I was hoping they were asking us because if they would have asked us the question, I would have responded, kids, if you want to become professional tennis players, listen to your teachers and your parents. And if you want to become artists, don't listen to them. It's like, listen, but don't listen. Yeah, Take it's, it's it like, in, but filter for yourselves. Yeah, because listen to your parents would mean like do exactly the same that has been done before. And it's, you know, like we want to get forward. We want to like explore new ideas, explore new visions and all of that. And So make your own rules. Yeah, make your own rules. And also like for kids, for example, it's like how should the parents nowadays know like what the jobs in the future will look like? Give them the tools to be self-confident and all of that, but then let them make their own uh, trials and errors. 
that is literally all 10 questions. You've been absolute gentlemen to answer with such heart and soul. It really means a lot. Thank you so much. First of all, I want to thank you for this uh, nice uh, therapy session. Oh, crikey, I'm a therapist. Um, it's not always easy for us to talk in that way because we're like... Uh, grew up differently, especially as men, to be like any like vulnerable or like make the perfect performance, you know, when we step in front of a camera or microphone. And this really feels like a kind of safe in environment where we really could be like that and could share everything like that. What's like actually our nature to do that. Like in private conversations, we would talk like of that. Of course, yeah. yeah. So thanks for that. Thanks for giving the opportunity. Thanks Thank for that. Thank you. Yeah, awesome. Before we head off, is there anything that you want to share or anything that you think would be interesting for people to know about? Yeah, yeah. first of all, uh, we definitely have to get back into the uh, studio process because we're um, planning on doing a show in Paris end of the year and there'll be a lot of works that needs to be painted. Yeah, we have another project for a social business, a hotel, Viva Con Aqua. It's from our hometown, it's a brand, and they collect money to build wells in African countries. We'll do a wall there, and then we will have a jewelry collaboration, hopefully coming up end of this year. We try to make it happen during Miami Art Together Basel. with a studio called Check Them, Check Her, Check Julia's incredible it's really cool and it, it matches so good to our imagery and our world like really two worlds coming together and it's so much fun to uh collaborate in this and work together incredible all right well look thanks a million for everything and um let's get you back home you're about to jump on all a right plane. yeah weekend off and then back in it back in the back studio in it, yeah well done amazing If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you don't miss a single drop of the Creative Blood experience by subscribing and following the show wherever you listen to your podcasts and share it with a fellow creative. Let's get these conversations out there and into the ears of those who need to hear them. This show was created in partnership with the brilliant humans here at Creative Blood and Scenery Studios. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.